Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. I'm going to ask if you would to take your Bibles and open them with me today to Psalm 103 for this morning's message and for our time together today. Psalm 103 with the idea and the mindset of the video that we just saw of choosing thankful. Uh, I don't know about you, but in recent days here, over the last several days, last several weeks here at Crosslink and in my own personal life, I've been reminded that the year 2020 is coming to a quick end, it would seem. Uh, Every day is a gift from God. We don't know what the rest of the day holds today, even for that matter. But I'm reminded as we, in in our ministry setting, have been making plans and preparations for next year. Uh, We presented to you, the church body, our ministry investment plan for 2021, which was unanimously approved last Sunday. We praise the Lord for that. Uh, That type of year and that type of ministry process is always a reminder to me that Christmas is around the corner and this year is almost over. And I, like you, probably many of you anyway, uh, this past week, I went to see some family. We sat down and we ate way too much food. Can I get a witness of that, anybody at all? Uh, A little bit too much turkey and a lot of extra pecan pie that I'll be working on the next three or four weeks. Uh, But nonetheless, I had a great meal and great time with family and food. And I'm sure many of you uh, enjoyed some food and all those things. But these things are wonderful and they're great celebrations, but they are also a reminder that this year is almost over. And there's a part of that maybe that kind of makes me sad because there's another year and it means that I'm sadly getting older, unfortunately. There's a part of this year though that I have to honestly confess and just say, I am so thankful this year is almost over. Can anybody just be honest and say you would agree with that? If you'd agree with that, just by a show of hands, man, I'm glad for 2020 to almost be in the rearview mirror. I realize we got a lot of days to go between now and then and a lot of things can happen between now and then. But when I think about 2020, I imagine For many years to come, when we think back to this year, we will all likely remember the many challenges of this season. To say that it's been a difficult year would be an understatement of understatements in the sense of the pandemic, in the sense of all the restrictions, in the sense of how it's affected the economy, how it's affected jobs, how it's affected personal finances, the way that it's affected us mentally in the context of anxiety and fear and and, and some people in that context, even addictions and other things that they've turned to. It has been a challenging year on so many levels. I think we would all agree with that. But I wanna remind you, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of one of the most strange and difficult and hard years that we have ever faced in our life, God has still been faithful. God has still been good and he is still in control. In fact, in Psalm 103, the context of this is that in Psalm 102, the psalmist has been at a very difficult and dark time in his life. The traditional view of the early church is that the same writer, Psalm 103 in David, is also the person who wrote Psalm 102. And in Psalm 102, the psalmist comes to a place of such despair, he literally says, my heart shriveled within me. And what he's saying is literally like his spirit within him lost hope and it lost joy and it felt like he was dying inside. I mean, so great was the darkness that he experienced in Psalm 102 that he would say, I was discouraged and I was despair and my appetite was far from me. 
Now that's hard for us to understand coming off of Thanksgiving week, but what he is saying is, I was in such a place of darkness, I had no desire to even eat. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to that depths of despair like the psalmist was, but that's where he was. So in Psalm 102, he's in such a difficult place that it seems all hope is lost and he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't know where to turn. But there's a major turning point right in the middle of the Psalm in verses 12 through 13. Listen to what I believe David prays as he gets his focus off of himself and he gets his focus off of his adversity in his situations and he puts his focus on the Lord. Notice what he says in Psalm 102 verses 12 and 13. He says, but you, O O Lord, abide forever and your name to all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. In other words, what David is saying is, God, I'm in this difficult situation. I'm in this place of anxiety. I'm in this place of despair. But here's what I'm gonna do. In the midst of it all, I'm gonna fix my attention on you. And when I fix my attention on you and your compassion and your mercy and your loving kindness, it's there that I have hope and it's there that I have joy. I remind us this morning, the Bible tells us literally in everything we are to give thanks. Why? Because for the believer, we can understand that God is in control and he is faithful and he's working and he's moving. And so we've got to get our attention on him. And when we do, we can find reason to give thanks. I want to remind you this morning, believer, there is a reason to give thanks. There is a reason we can choose thankful. And that reason is because God is good and God is in control. I remember years ago, my grandmother always telling me, Matthew, there's always something to be thankful for. There's always something to be thankful for. And I remember seeing that illustrated years ago on an old Charlie Brown and Snoopy cartoon. Some of you remember those cartoons. The illustration was given that it was Thanksgiving Day and, and Snoopy was sitting there wondering what he would get to eat for Thanksgiving. And finally, Charlie Brown brought his Thanksgiving meal out. And when he brought it out, he put before him a fresh bowl of dog food. And Snoopy looked at the dog food and he was fussing and he wasn't happy about it. He said, what do you mean to give this to me? It's Thanksgiving day. Everybody else is getting turkey and dressing and sweet potato casserole and granny's pecan pie and I get dog food? And Charlie Brown said, Snoopy, there's always something to be thankful for. Snoopy looked back and said, what's that? He said, Snoopy, be thankful you're not a turkey. Be thankful you're not a turkey. The fact of the matter is there is always something to be thankful for, but it's not just because of a general fact of life. It's because of the promise and the truth that God is good and God is in control. That's exactly what the psalmist is doing in Psalm 103 as he's looking over his life and he's looking at the truth and the promises of God. And in that, he says, basically, I will choose thankful. I wanna ask you if you're physically able, would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? We're gonna read the entirety of Psalm 103 and from it, we're gonna make several observations that today should help us choose thankful. Notice what the scripture says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. What are those benefits? Here's what they are. Who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. 
He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10, listen to this wonderful truth. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But, listen to this word of truth. The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. What a wonderful assurance for us to be reminded of today. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his. In all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful psalm of praise. God, I pray that from it, you would speak words of encouragement to us, words of challenge to us, words of comfort to us. And God, where we need to be intentional to give you thanks, I pray that we'd be faithful to do it. And Lord, today, should we be here without knowing these benefits personally in our life, may today we be reminded that all these benefits and more are all available through faith in Jesus Christ. So God, if there's anyone that does not have that relationship with you, may today you bring them to that place, I pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. This morning, I want to preach on the subject very simple. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. In Psalm 103, this psalm is first and foremost a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of praise where the psalmist is literally giving thanks out loud to God for the many blessings in his life. In fact, when the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord, he's making a statement of commitment, of devotion to say, this is what I'm going to do in and through my life. But it's not only a statement of praise, I believe it's a statement of great faith and great discipline. The fact of the matter is this morning, David the psalmist certainly understood there were going to be moments in life where he wouldn't feel like praising God. In fact, there would be moments in his life where in his flesh he would be so weak that he didn't even know if he could praise God. And yet in that moment, David the psalmist said, listen, I'm gonna discipline myself. I'm gonna speak to my soul, if you will, to my inner man, and I will bless the Lord. In fact, he tells us in this simple passage of scripture in Psalm 103, I will bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I love what he says. And with all that's within me, I will bless the Lord. Many of you grew up playing some sports, whether you played on a rec team or a travel team or a high school team or whatever, but you've played sports before. Others of us, we haven't played them, but we have at least watched a game or two along the way, and we understand the analogy of of everything that's within you. 
No doubt if you've ever played or coached or even watched, you've seen a moment where the coach understands that the game is in the balance. There's been a back and forth like a tug of war and the game is in the balance. These are the deciding moments and the coach calls a timeout and he gets all the players together and the players are tired and they're they're weary and they're kind of worn down and they've gotten bumps and bruises along the way and they've had some victories and they've had some failures throughout the game but the coach knows the, the crucial nature of the moment. And so the coach gets everybody together and he looks at them and he says, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know there've been some discouragements along the way, but I know you still got more left in you. So I want you to do this. I want you to leave it all out on the field. Everything with every ounce of energy, every ounce of effort. I want you to put it all out there and leave nothing left undone. Have no regrets. Put it all out there so that you can win the game. That is the image that David, the Lord, when he says, with all that's within me, I will bless the Lord. Could you imagine what it would be like if you used the same effort and energy that you would to win that game into praising the Lord? Think of that for just a moment. David begins to talk at the end of the Psalm about the the fragile nature of life and how our life is like a, a wildfire that grows in the field. It might be beautiful for a moment, but as soon as the season changes, it withers and it dies away. Could you imagine if you worship the Lord today as if it was the last time you'd worship the Lord here on this earth? What would your singing be like? What would your clapping be like? What would your testimony be like if you knew it was gonna be the last time you were ever gathered with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here on this earth? How differently would you worship and praise? David says, with all that's within me, I will bless the Lord. The words bless the Lord, that phrase literally means to delight one's heart by expressing love and gratitude to the Lord for all he is and all he has done. To bless the Lord is to delight one's heart so much in the Lord that we give gratitude and love for all that he is and all that he has done. The psalmist said, David said, I will bless the Lord with all that's within me. And then he tells us something interesting. He says, and forget not his benefits. Pause for just a moment. The psalmist was not only disciplined to say, I will bless the Lord, with all that's within me. But he was also disciplined to say, and I'll not forget his benefits. Let me me ask you a question this morning. Are there any blessings of God in your life that you've been forgetting? Are are there any blessings of life that you've been so busy caught up in the context of life that you've been distracted and you've just not been really dwelling on or taking time to thank God for? Are there any benefits forgotten? The fact of the matter is this morning is that it is very easy for us to feel feelings of thankfulness. But feeling feelings of thankfulness does not mean that we are actually intentional about giving thanks. Let me illustrate that for just a moment. In Luke chapter 17, verses 15 through 18, the Bible tells us that Jesus one day was going down the road and as he did, he came to a village of people and there were 10 specific people who were lepers. Now, to know that they were lepers means that they had a very rare disease. It was affecting their skin, their flesh. Their flesh was literally decaying. They were beginning to lose the the, the extended parts of their body. And as a result of that, there was no cure for this disease. In biblical times, they were simply ostracized. They were pushed away from the community. And they were basically uh, separated and rejected from everybody they loved and knew. Jesus is making their way. There's 10 lepers. And the Bible says that the lepers began crying out, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. Jesus, the Bible says, stopped and he had compassion on them. 
He could have ignored them like everybody else. He could have rejected them like everybody else. He could have thrown up his hands and said, I got nothing to do with you, just like everybody else, but he didn't. He had mercy and he had compassion. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at them and he said this, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, an understanding in that day, they had to go to the priest in order to be restored to society. The, the priest had to be the one to issue them and announce them to be clean. So they went by faith, believing Jesus' words. And the Bible says that as they went, they were cleaned. As they went, they were healed. As they went, they began to notice that their boils were going away. Their flesh was being restored. They began to have the function of their fingers again. And, and they were amazed but something interesting happens. Let me ask you a question. How many of them, how many of the 10 do you think were thankful that they were healed? I mean, how many of you would be thankful if you were losing parts of your body and suddenly your flesh is being restored and you now had functions, now you could be restored to your loved ones that you haven't been with in years? I mean, how many of us would be thankful? The answer is all of us. We would all be thankful. But notice what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verses 15 through 18. He tells us something very interesting. The Bible says, now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But, but by the nine, where are they? And listen to this powerful question of Jesus. Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? You know what Jesus is saying? I think the Bible is showing us here that to an extent all 10 would have been thankful, but there was only one who was intentional to go to Jesus and give thanks. There was only one who was intentional, the Bible says, who gave God glory. There was only one who was intentional to speak the words with his mouth, to say, Jesus, thank you, thank you for healing me. Understand this morning what God is calling us to consider is this. Do we have thankfulness in our hearts or do we genuinely, with our mouth, give God thanks? Have you ever thought about this simple reality? Even an atheist can feel thankful, but they have nowhere to direct their thanks. For the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has called us to recognize our blessings, our benefits come from him, and as such, we must give thanks. The Bible says this, the psalmist said, I will forget none of his benefits. Friend, I wanna remind you that we have so many blessings and benefits that are all available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Somebody says, oh, I'm thankful about the things that I get. What God is wanting us to see is the things that we already have in Christ. I told the illustration about the little boy one day that was sitting there. It was the day after Thanksgiving and he and his family had gathered together. They were eating and he was a little bored the day after Thanksgiving. So he began to look through all the sales papers and all the catalogs of all the toys. And he began to think of all the different things he would want for Christmas. And as he was looking, he began to think about something and he just began to shake his head in disgust. And finally, his mother looked over him and she said, son, what's wrong? And he said, mama, there's something terribly wrong. And she said, what is that, honey? What, what, what is it that's wrong? And he said, mama, I, I, I think the holidays are all messed up. She said, what do you mean? He said, that's right. I think Thanksgiving should come after Christmas. Thanksgiving should be after Christmas. She said, why is that? He said, oh, mama, it's because I'd have a whole lot more to be thankful for if Thanksgiving came after Christmas. 
Many times in our life, we think our thanksgiving is dependent upon the things that we get. But what God is wanting us to see is all that we already have available through Jesus Christ. I want you to look with me at Psalm 103 very quickly. And I want us to make five observations about who God is and what he does in our life as we believe in him and trust in him. Today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God tells us at least five reasons we can bless the Lord and choose thankful even in a year like 2020, even when things are going crazy, even when things are difficult, even when things may not be what we want them to be or how we think they should be, we can still choose thankful. And here's what I wanna say to you this morning. This morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not put your faith in God and and to to forgive you and to say you haven't asked him, you haven't accepted his way in Christ to be your your Savior, I want you to know this morning, all these blessings can be yours by simply calling upon Jesus to be your Savior. Five things I want you to see from the text. Number one, we can choose to bless the Lord because of this. God's pardon is complete. God's pardon is complete complete. Listen to what the psalmist said. There's a lot of things he lists in this passage of scripture, but he begins with one thing and one thing only. What does he say in verse three? Here's what he says. What does God do? He pardons our iniquities. He pardons our iniquities. To say that it is complete is to say that it is full. And what does he do? He pardons, the idea here is of forgiveness. In our day-to-day, we understand what the idea of a pardon is. It's not uncommon for us to hear from our current president or past presidents or even future presidents to hear the pardon of a criminal, someone that maybe has been in jail, someone that's been accused, maybe even someone that's been guilty and been in jail for for decades for that matter. It's not uncommon for us to hear a pardon. Why? Because a pardon is a government decision to allow a person to be relieved of the legal consequences of their criminal conviction. The word here, it's found in the Hebrew, literally means a passing over or a forgiveness. Now, the Bible tells us a few things here that we need to remember. First off, we need to remember that there's only one who can forgive us of our sins. Yes, we have to offer forgiveness to each other. We learned about that last week. But there's only one person who can truly forgive us of our sins, and that is God. Job asked the question in Job chapter 7, verse 12, or verse 21, this simple question. He looked to God and he said, God, Why then do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? Job asked this of God because Job understood in his sinful state, there is only one person and one person only who could forgive him, and that is God. The prophet Micah said it this way in Micah chapter seven, who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious remnant Passes over the rebellious, rebellious act of the remnant of his possession. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He, God, will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Why is that important? It's important for this simple reason. Every single one of us need God's forgiveness. Every single one of us need God's forgiveness. Sometimes, especially in this part of the country, people will grow up in a Christian home and they'll grow up in in a context where grandfather was a preacher and and, and grandmother faithfully served and my uncle was a deacon and my dad served and prayed and all this. A lot of times we grow up in a Christian home and as a result of that, we think we're, we're pretty good. We haven't done anything terrible. We haven't done anything bad in the eyes of the world. But the Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter three, verses nine and 10, that there is none righteous, not even one. 
That means all of us have sinned against God. Let me just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever at any point in your life, ever, ever, ever told a lie? That is most of us here and the rest of us stand guilty as charged right now, okay? How many of us here have ever spoken something? You, you've called someone a name, you've spoken with anger and, and maybe even revenge. You were trying to get back at somebody to tear them down. Has anybody ever spoken a word like that in their life? Someone's like, Pastor, it's been Thanksgiving. I've been with my family. Of course that's happened this week. That's exactly right. I, I, mean, I mean, the fact of the matter is we've all sinned against God. All of us have fallen short. And it only took one sin to be considered guilty before God. In other words, sin is not just about the actions that we've chosen that were wrong. Sin is about our standing before God. Without Christ, in and of ourselves, we stand before God guilty as charged. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter our race. It doesn't matter our background. It doesn't matter what our grandparents did. It doesn't matter how many times we went to church. We all stand guilty before God. I will never forget, and I've told you before, when I was in high school, this is a bad illustration, but I'm gonna share it anyway. When I was a junior in high school, I had gotten my license. And, 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 I, and I, I had a lead foot, and I was totally reckless and irresponsible in the way that I drove when I was 16 years old. I know that's really hard to believe. But my first summer of having my license I got four tickets so close together that they all had the same court date. And I was a good kid. I was an A honor roll student. I was in church every time the doors were open. I played a lot of sports and was well known in the community. And so here's what I did. I went to, I went to people that I knew, Sunday school teachers, my principal. I asked them to write a letter of reference for me. When I went to that court date, I did everything that I could to stand before the judge and say, I'm a good guy. I've got A's, I'm in church, I'm disciplined in sports, and, and here I am. And that judge looked at all his letters and my report card and asked one question, one question only. Did you do it? Uh, did I do what, sir? Were you speeding? Which time, sir? You know, like, <laughs> here's the deal. It didn't matter how nice my suit looked. It didn't matter what my Sunday school teacher said. It didn't matter how straight A's. The answer was, yes, I was guilty as charged. And here's the deal. The only one who could pardon me in that moment was the one I stood guilty before, and that was the judge. The Bible says that God is the true and the righteous judge, and we all stand before him guilty as charged. It doesn't matter how good we look on the outside. We stand before him guilty, but here's the wonderful truth. God in his grace and his mercy, he hasn't overlooked our sin. He's dealt with it, but here's how he dealt with it. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be set free from the sins that we've committed. Listen to the way the Bible says it in Isaiah 53. But he, Jesus, was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging, we are healed. All of us have, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. Listen to this statement. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all. All our sin, all our transgressions, all our iniquities, all those lies, all those impure thoughts, all those things that were hidden in the depths of our heart, all of them, they all fell on him. 
And that's why the Bible tells us for all who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we accept the fact that he was a substitute in our place. We experience the pardon, the forgiveness of all of our sins. And it's that promise that we can look at in verses 10 through 12 when the psalmist says it this way, for he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Aren't you thankful for that? Nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. When you believe in Jesus Christ, and the finished work that he did on the cross by dying on the cross for all of your sins, friend, you begin to recognize you experience in that moment through God's grace, his mercy and his forgiveness because all of our sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can rejoice today because God's pardon has been complete. Please understand this morning, if you've rejected Jesus, you stand before God still today guilty as charged and condemned. And the only way you will be forgiven and set free is to believe in Jesus Christ. Second thing I want you to see, we can bless the Lord, yes, because his pardon is complete. But secondly, because his protection is consistent. Notice what the scripture says in verses three and four. He tells us this simple statement, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. The Bible tells us that God is our protector and he protects consistently. To say that it is consistent literally is to mean that it is dependable and it is reliable. Where do we see that? We see that in the first phrase, God heals all our diseases. Now does this, this does not mean that God is guaranteed and promised to heal every illness that you experience. In fact, the Bible tells the apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh that he prayed three times, God remove it from me. Most scholars believe it was a physical condition, most likely something to do with his eyes. But the bottom line is he prayed, God remove it from me and God didn't remove it. In fact, God told him in your weakness, I will be glorified. In your weakness, I will be strong. This does not mean that God will deliver you from every illness, but it does mean that he has the power He has the authority and he has the ability to heal every disease and he often delights in doing so. What this means for us today is this. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to fear a disease or or a virus. We don't have to fear persecution or anything else because we know that God is with us and he will protect us. Psalm 121 verses five through eight says it this way. The Lord is your Keeper. That word keeper referred to literally a military guard. And the day uh, that Paul, which lived, the military guard, they were the most powerful people there on earth. And that's kind of the picture. The Lord is your keeper. He is the protector of you. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. That's why the prophet Isaiah could say, do not fear. He's speaking from God's perspective. God's speaking through him. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not even anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, we can live in confidence and we can live in courage and we can live in boldness when we live by faith, knowing that God is our protector. Challenge though, is that we often like to hear that statement, hear the promise of God and then throw our butts into the situation. But, but, but God, it's a pandemic. 
But God, we don't have a vaccine. But God, we don't have a cure. But God, there's this situation. But God, I just don't know. But God, I don't understand. But God, fill in the blank. God calls us to live by faith, trusting in his protection. In fact, he tells us in the next statement, he redeemed your life from the pit. The word pit here is referring specifically to death. That word redeem would remind the Israelites about the time when they were in Egypt, when they were enslaved to the Egyptians, and they were in such despair and such discouragement. They, they thought they were going to die, but the Bible says they cried out to God for mercy. They cried out to God for compassion, and God intervened, and he redeemed them. He brought them out and brought them back from where they were to where God wanted them to be. The point for us today is simply this, fact, this simple statement. We can walk in faith and courage, recognizing that God consistently protects his children. Yes, that is reason to bless the Lord. Third reason we can bless the Lord. It's simply this, because his provision is constant. His provision is constant. No doubt in a season like the season in which we've lived, where certain jobs have been so greatly impacted, certain fam, various families under certain strains when it comes to finances and unknowns and different challenges of the, the moment, we need to be reminded that God's provision is constant. Now, that does not mean that God will give us everything that we want, but it does mean that God is faithful in providing all that we need if we belong to him. Even Jesus taught us to pray to give us this day our daily bread. He's describing there the basic needs of provision. And what the psalmist says is this, as he thinks about God's provision. He says, by the way, this same God crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. That's another way of saying mercy and grace who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Nothing of God's provision, the first thing the psalmist points us to is this. God provides us with all that we need spiritually. He summarizes it in this way. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. The idea of a crown here is that this is the chief means of God's provision. The chief provision of God in your life is that he provides you with grace and mercy. Mercies that are new every morning. Grace that is sufficient for every need. God provides you spiritually with all that you need. Well, who's that available to? It's to all who believe in Jesus. Ephesians chapter one, verse three says it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing, all the riches of heaven are available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The question is simply this, have we accepted Jesus Christ? All of the spiritual vision we need is available to us and has been provided through Jesus. But not only that, there's a physical provision who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Matthew chapter six, verses 31 and 33 reminds us that we don't have to worry about what we're gonna eat or even what we're gonna wear. What we gotta do is this, according to Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what does he promise? And all these other things will be added to you. Many of us want all the other things that will be added to us without the condition of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What did David say when David was an old man? I love this statement, Psalm 37, verses 23 through 25. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. He delights in his way. When he falls, he'll not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I love David's confession. I have been young and now I am old. Can you relate to that this morning? I have been young and now I am old, yet... I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging 
for bread. Why? The provision that he offers us is constant. And how long does he do it? He does it all throughout our life. That's why the psalmist would say, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The picture here is of an eagle that God is so gracious and faithful in providing for all that we need that even as an old man or as an older woman, we are strengthened by him so that even in old age, we are able to soar like an eagle. That's the picture. What he's saying is, God is faithful all the days of your life. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient for every need. All the way until he calls you home, he's faithful to provide for his children. Number four, we can choose thankful and we can choose to bless the Lord because, I love this, his promises are certain. His promises are certain. You may have no idea what's gonna happen the rest of the day today. You may have no idea what's gonna come your way tomorrow. I guarantee you, we might have an idea of an agenda and meetings this week at work or the doctor's appointment over here, but we have no idea what's gonna unfold in the coming week. We don't, but here's what we do know. We do know the one who holds tomorrow in his hand. We do know the one who's still in control. We do know the one who's promised to be faithful every single day, all the way from everlasting, from everlasting. It's in this moment that the psalmist, David, begins to understand something. As David ponders the greatness of God, David begins to realize the smallness of man. As David begins to ponder the fact that the living God of heaven has all power and all authority and all control, he begins to realize, frankly, how little he really was. In light of God, who's eternal, he begins to realize how small he is. And so the Bible tells us something interesting in verses 13 through 18. David begins to talk about the, fra uh, the fragile nature of life. Many of us live our life as if we're gonna be here for forever. We live our life like we're gonna be 100 years old. And we'll even make statements like, man, I hope to be 100 years old. I hope to see my, my grandkids and my grandkids' grandkids and, and I wanna be around forever. And we live as if we're always going to be here. But David tells us something interesting in Psalm 103, verses 13, really, and verses 15, 16, and so forth. Here's what he says. He says, our life is like a flower that grows on the field. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not really a flower guy, but flowers are pretty. Can you, can you all agree? Driving down the road and see a wildflower, going, it's pretty. Sometimes you stop and observe it or maybe you take a picture or whatever, but a flower grows and it might be the most beautiful flower ever and, and, and it might stand on a hillside and it might stand out amongst all the, the, the weeds, but it'll stand and it's beautiful. But as beautiful as it is, it only grows for a season. And when the next season comes, the cold and the frost and the changing of the season, it withers up, it dies and it goes away. James said, our life is like a vapor. It is here for a moment. And you might put some, some water in a, in a pot and put it on the stove and boil it get, it, get it to a boil and the steam might rise above that pot. But as soon as you turn it off, what happens? The vapor vanishes. The Bible says in light of eternity, our life, we could live to be a hundred years old. But even if we did, it's like a brief wildflower. It's like a vapor. It's here for a moment and then vanishes away. But in that context, of how fragile we are, how short our lives really are, David says something interesting. Verse 16 and 17. When the wind has passed over it, 
it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. Verse 17. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Listen to this promise. And his righteousness to children's children. Don't miss this. What God is saying is, I am faithful and my mercies are not only new for you every single morning, but as you love me, as you walk with me, as you follow me, my mercies extend, my faithfulness extend, my promises extend, not only through your life, but to your children and to your children's children and to your children's children's children. And the Bible tells literally through the Old Testament, a thousand generations, God shows he's faithful to those who honor him. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 105 verse 8. He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine. I'll just read the first part. He says this, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. So often I'll talk with parents and they'll talk about one day, leaving maybe an inheritance to their children or or leaving a legacy in the future of what they want their children to remember in the future. But I want to remind you, it doesn't begin by leaving a legacy in the future. It begins by living a legacy right now. And it doesn't matter what monetary thing you give them. It doesn't matter what what hardworking principles you give them. If you don't teach them to love God and to live for him, and that is best modeled through your life and not preach that from your words. Your words are important. Your instruction is important. But if it's not modeled in your actions, you are often doing more harm than good. And so God is calling us to recognize, listen, his promises are certain. Though we fade, my my physical body, I'm not going to be here forever. Thank God this physical body is only temporary. I love my children. I hope to see my grandchildren. I hope to see my grandchildren's grandchildren. I, I hope that happens. But even when I'm gone and God calls me away, guess what? His faithfulness and his promises and his righteousness extend from generation to generation to generation to those who love him and honor him. Finally, I love this final statement and we'll close. Here's a reason why we bless the Lord, even in the midst of difficult times, even when the year has been as crazy as it has, even when you're wearing a mask to church, even when we don't have a vaccine, even when we don't know what's coming, here's why, for this final reason. God's providence is comforting. To say that God is provident means that God is in control and he is working all things together for his glory. That does not mean that all things are good. It does not mean that everything that happens is according to his will, but it means that God overrules the affairs of man to accomplish his divine purposes. Notice what the scripture says in verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Picture the scene with me for just a moment. As David penned these words, his enemies were pressing against him. (laughs) As David penned these words, he didn't know how the situation would turn out. He didn't know if he would still be the leader. He didn't know if there was going to be, here's what he did have. He had faith and confidence in the God who knew it was to come. Because that same almighty God was in control, working all things together for his glory. I love this statement in verse two. 
The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Over all the nations, over all the kingdoms, over all the peoples, over all the elections, over all the presidents, over it all. His throne is established in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. In other words, even when I am not in control, which is the fact that I never am anyway, even when I am not in control, I can find rest in knowing the God who is fully in control of all things. In other words, today, when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have a relationship with God, no matter what you face, no matter what you feel, you can choose thankful, you can rejoice, and you can say, yes, I will bless the Lord because in Christ, we've been pardoned. Because in Christ, we know that we've been provided for. Because in Christ, we know that we are protected. Because in Christ, we know that his promises are true. Because in Christ, we know that he is providentially working all things together for his glory and even for our good. My question for you today is very simple. Have you personally experienced and received these benefits from the Lord? David said, I will not forget his benefits. Have you personally experienced God's forgiveness? Have you personally called out to God to forgive you of your sins and to save your soul? Have you personally experienced all that's available to you in Christ? If you're here today and you've never done that, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you might've gone to church a million times, you might've heard the truth from your father or from your grandmother, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, have you personally Put your faith in Jesus Christ and experience all these blessings through him. If you haven't, you can today by simply calling upon Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you and save you, putting your faith in him. But secondly, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I have a second question for you. Are you living your life like the one leper who intentionally went out of his way to return to Jesus glorifying God and giving thanks for what he had done? Or are you living your life today like the nine who are so busy, so distracted, frankly, so caught up in themselves that they miss their opportunity to glorify God and give thanks? My hope and prayer for us today is that the rest of our lives will be lived and end the same way that this psalm ends. Psalm 103 begins with a statement of commitment. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You get all the way to the very end, and here's the way it ends, the same way. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 2020 began with a lot of hope, excitement, anticipation. I cannot tell you the number of churches even that I have heard through the years that have had a 2020 vision for all that God was gonna do. And man, life has looked so differently, hasn't it? But my prayer is this year will end the same way that it began as we will look to the Lord and say, you know what? He's still in control. He's still good. And I'll still give him praise. Let's pray together. Father, thank you 
for this morning. Thank you for the time that we have together. Thank you for the way that you work and move and are even speaking to our hearts and lives now. I pray, God, today that we would choose to bless you, that we would realize all the blessings that we have that you've offered us in Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would not be the nine who were distracted and busy, but instead we would be like the one who was so filled with gratitude that he began to shout words of praise and thanks. He immediately returned to Jesus and he, and he, he worshiped him, he praised him, he, he glorified you. And I pray, God, today that in each of our lives that we won't be distracted, we won't be caught up in ourselves, not even caught up in just the gifts themselves, but instead to be focused on you, the giver. And I pray, God, that we will bless you and give thanks. I pray for that. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that is religious maybe or maybe has no idea in the context of some of the things they've heard today, but they understand today that they need the forgiveness of you, I pray, God, that today they would experience the forgiveness of their sins and they would begin today to live a life that is marked and transformed and changed by your grace. So God, would you do that today? Would you work in such a way that you would set them free from their sins as they call upon you today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.